Hey, welcome to Kevin Elworth Unplugged, where we are going to talk about life, leadership, and all the things in between. Today, we're going to dive into this simple topic called moving from boss to leader. There is a huge difference between the two, and it's probably one of the things that is kind of um, unexpected or unforeseen. In fact, one of the mistakes I see quite a few business owners dealing with today is that because they're a boss, it makes them a leader. And while that is true on some elements, it is not true on other elements because you are a boss. And if you have employees under you, they are following you as a leader. However, you are only occupying what's known as the level one leader at that point. A level one leader is positional leadership. It is just that it's position. You are leadership by position only. You are leading people who you are paying to be there. And ultimately, once you remove the paycheck, they may or may not continue to follow you. They may not be associated with you anymore. They may go find another job. They may do something else because, you know, they're going to go, they're going to go find different employment to, to do or be a part of. Influence is gained as you continue to move up your levels of leadership. No true influence is gained until you've earned the next level of leadership, which is called permission. Now, we're not going to dive into that today. Um, ultimately, we're going to talk about this primarily on a corporate set stance, but in any element of team, there is leadership. Even in a family, you have a family of people who are with you, they're together with you, they're following you, they're doing, they're doing things. Um, and you get to decide how you're going to approach that leadership. You know, by and large, when people interact with leadership, they deal, they do so based on this idea of positional leadership. I am the leader of this home. And so you're going to do what I say. And that could be, honestly, that could be man, woman, or child, uh, depending on this, the, the way it's approached or the way that it's handled. But predominantly, People want to ascend and aspire to a different level of leadership, and they do so by wishing that something else was going to be in place rather than actually acting it out or earning that different level of leadership that they want to get to over time. I've got five different angles on this element of moving from boss to leader that I want to kind of integrate with you today. It's actually the concept of my ebook that I wrote that uh, is a free distributable. When you sign up on my website, I send you this really, really beautiful, uh, well-designed ebook for free called how to, um, how to make your team thrive or something along those lines. What is, what is it called actually? Um, Thriving Teams Unleashed, the Radical CEO's Five-Step Integration Strategy. I wrote that myself. You're welcome. And uh, you can have it for nothing more than just signing up on my website, and I will send it to you for free. Uh, it's a great resource, and it's really kind of the sweet spot that I hone into when it comes to helping companies and organizations and entities really develop teams. You are nothing better than the team in which you are comprised. And to be honest with you, your team will only, they will only thrive to the level, to the level of the leadership in which you lead them. 
And so it necessitates that you as a leader continue to grow and develop and move beyond this idea of boss, right? So with the idea of being a boss, there really becomes one static mentality that this positional level of leadership leaders lead by. Sorry, that was too many leads, okay? Um, and to be honest with you, I mean no disrespect or offense by this, but it's a dictator role. You will do what I say because I'm in charge and I'm the boss. And it's this strong arming, you know, I get this arm wrestling image in my mind where people are forced to do what you say to do, not because they're compelled by your vision, but because they're compelled to keep their paycheck. And you, they have to do what they, what you tell them to do because you're in charge and they're not. That's not that's not healthy leadership. In fact, you probably are fighting against the grain or swimming up current more than you need to in that role. And if you would spend some time learning some different levels of leadership, you would actually face a lot more wins, a lot faster and with less output, both from you and your team. But it requires a level of learning that you may not have ever encountered before. So how? How do you grow beyond this level of leadership? Maxwell says it like this. He, he kind of infam infamously wrote this five level of leadership thing. And, and again, we're not going to dive through all of them today. In fact, I'm just going to read you some of the characteristics of a level one leader. Um, some of the things that you should know about this. Know your role or your job description thoroughly. Do your job with consistent excellence. Do more than expected. Accept responsibility for yourself and your leadership. Learn from every leadership opportunity. Be aware of the history that impacts your personal dynamics. Don't rely on your position or title to help you lead. This, the thing is, is that at this, at this spot, you want to be able to earn a new level of influence that you do not currently have. Influence is earned. It is never claimed. You can earn influence. You can't claim it. It has to be given to you, it has to be awarded to you by people who deem you as worthy of their influence. So let's work on how to do that. Number one thing, number one thing, argue with me if you would like, number one thing to move you beyond boss and into leader is to cast a compelling vision. This is biblical. Where there is no vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint, something along those lines. They die where there is no vision. The people lose hope. They give up. They can't, they can't continue on anymore. It has been infamous, infamously said that people do not leave salaries. They leave leadership. And the reason a lot of people leave leadership is because, number one, they figured out they're following someone who doesn't really know how to lead. Or secondly, they're a part of an organization that's not going anywhere. It's just spinning tires. In fact, there's a lot of movement, but there's no actual traction. There's, there's a lot of you know busy work happening and the paychecks keep coming and somehow people keep buying their product, but there's no actual advancement on anything anywhere. Over time, that feels monotonous and boring and pointless and useless. And ultimately, it comes down to the fact that they don't know why they're doing what they do. If you would spend some time as the owner, leader, CEO, whatever role that you occupy, to be able to ensure that your people know why does your company exist and where exactly are you going and how will you know that you get there? 
what are the you know mile markers along the way to know that you're actually making headway on the place that you want to go? All those things are pretty catalytic in terms of healthy, vibrant, aggressive, moving leadership. It's what keeps people coming back to work at the end of the day or at the beginning of the next day or the beginning of the next month or the beginning of the next year or whatever the case may be. It's because they know, oh my gosh, what I'm doing, it matters and it's affecting someone somewhere. And we're we're moving something along because I believe in the vision of this place and I'm invested in it. I'm committed to it. I'm not leaving it. So this is why. And why I'm involved in that, it blesses me. It blesses me also. And so there's a reciprocal return for this. People will invest effort and energy and they will go to the ends of the earth with you if they know where they're going. So the first kind of quantifier that you want to do to assess your health as a company and also your health as a team leader is your vision. Is your vision clear? And I'll be honest with you, if you if you have to stop and think, if you have to push pause on this podcast right now and stop and think or even go and ask some of your employees, hey, is our vision clear? It's not clear enough. If you can't emphatically say right now without a doubt, this is my vision and it is clear to my people, then you have a vision problem. In fact, I'm even wondering that with my own company right now. Is my vision clear enough to the people who are following me? Do they know why they're following me? Are the employees that work for me, Are do they know why they're working for me? Do they know what I'm after? Do they know what the positive outcome that I want them to see and experience and celebrate? Is that clear to them? Because if it's not, then they're only following for a paycheck. So is your vision clear? Number two, be superbly clear in your communication. Communication is our lifeblood. If your communication is struggling on any level, your team is also not thriving. It will not be thriving at that level. And it keeps you as a boss. It's one of those things where, you know, you take a husband and wife relationship for a minute and you've heard this age old joke, you know, I told you I loved you the day I married you. And if that ever changes, I'll let you know. Right. And so, I mean, that's, that's terrible communication. This, the other reality is true that, you know, we hire these people for a job and we invested all this time and energy and effort in getting them to be a part of our company. And that's the last time they heard from you as a boss. There's got to be clear communication. How are you affecting the vision that you said you set out to accomplish? What, what headway are you making on this right now? And is there any elements of celebration that should be happening among your people? Because remember, they're the ones doing the work. You're not the one doing the work. You're the one leading the team. They're the ones who are putting in the grind, who blood, sweat, and tears are all over the place and all over the space. And they may be dealing with, you may be dealing with astronomical elements of stress, but they are too when it comes to their business and their productivity and and their efficiencies and the things that they're up against. And you know maybe they don't have all the tools that are necessary or that they would like to be part of the job. And so they're fighting these things and they need to be reminded why they're fighting it. They need to be reminded on a consistent basis where they're winning. Where is your company actually moving forward and, and, and making headway against uh, you know, in the market space of what you're trying to do and accomplish so that they can celebrate their wins too. You know, if all we ever do is tell people where they're getting it wrong, why should they continue? They've got to know that, you know, the, the astounding reality is, is that um, 
People don't get it wrong all the time, but we rarely tell people when they get it right. We are quick and really, really aggressive at telling people where they failed. But if we would be equally as true and come to them and communicate with them clearly and consistently and accurately, um, we would make a lot of headway. So what are some of the questions that come after this? How frequently should I communicate? Honestly, you should communicate until you're blue in the face. You should communicate so much that they're just kind of like, dude, can you just shut up? You know what I mean? We get it. We understand. You know, obviously you don't want to take all their time. They've got to get productivity done. They've got to do some outcomes and all those things. But there should be consistent, regular communication from you as their leader to know, you know, the health of the company, the vibrancy of what they're up against, the celebrations that they're accomplishing, your your gratitude for what they're doing and, and accomplishing inside the business and the company. Um, what, what, and those are kind of some of the things that you should be also communicating the frequency, the content, those kind of things. Um, the third thing I want to tell you is this is learn the art of listening. You know, uh, let's go to the like age old statement. People don't care how much they know, how much, you know, until they know how much you care and to care about people. You've truly got to learn to listen to them. You need to know some things about their lives. Not that they're going to judge you or, or test you on that knowledge, but you need to act very interested in who they are outside of their career with you. Because, you know, you send a message if you don't know who they are and what makes them tick and their, um, you know, their aspirations and their goals and what their vision are is in life. And it, it sends this message that all I ever care, all I care about from you is your output, your productivity and your work. And, you know, once you clock out, you're dead to me. And that's that's just not valid. Learn the art of listening. Listen to these people. Ask them compelling questions. Get get to know who they are and and the the things about their life that are unique and compelling and amazing and just overwhelming. And what are they most proud of? And and those kind of things. Brainstorm some of those things. What would what would you start with this? What would you want people to know of you? And then go and pursue some of those same lines or categories when it comes to the people who are working around you and really invest in these people and their time and learn to listen to them. Number four, go over the top in encouragement. This one I think is crucial. In fact, I told one of my clients recently, your job is, uh, what did I call it? Yeah, CEO, right? Chief Encouragement Officer. Your job needs to just be encouragement. And to, I'm surprised at how many people I've been dealt with in the recent in the recent past that have told me that they have zero experience with encouragement. That blows my mind. If you're not an entity or a, a person that's about encouragement, you're only a positional leader. You've got to figure out what really makes people tick and get there and just learn to encourage that. Go uh, learn to identify people's wins and make a big deal about it. Um, I'm, I think these, these three learning the art of listening, go over the top with encouragement. And the last one I'm going to give to you, they, they're closely associated because if you really spend some time investing and valuing these kind of things, you will really notice a big improvement uh, on your, on your output from your people and your company itself. In, in one of my team leading days in my previous career, what I would do is I would, we had custom designed some cards, you know, cards that you would write in and we had custom designed cards and envelopes. And I had bought hundreds of these things. In fact, I think I bought thousands of them 
um, because I'm like, this is going to be a big deal. I want to always have these on hand. I always had postage stamps on hand. And literally, I would I would have my assistant help me with this. I would do most of the handwriting, but um, I would I would make a list of the people that I wanted to focus on. I would handwrite the cards to these people, and then I would have my assistant address them and send them for me. Um, so I just had to write the name on the sticky note, put it on the envelope, and have her, you know, find the addresses and send them out. But constantly, I was doing this at least five times a week, five cards a week I was sending out to people that were on my team, whether they were staff members or just key volunteers or just any volunteers. Um, it, it takes that much encouragement. The thing that just blew my mind is that I would have people that would send me a note later on, years later, and say, hey, I was going through a file of something and I came across this card that you sent me years ago. And they would take a snapshot of it and they would send it back to me. And I can't tell you how many times that happened. And, and honestly, it was years later that they would have this. And I was just astounded that it would mean that much to them that they would hold on to this thing and treasure a word of encouragement. It's, it sent me this message, um, kind of two things. People need encouragement all the time, all the time. If, if we are so quick to tell them where they're wrong, then we uh, need to fight harder for where we need to tell them that they're right. So people need encouragement all the time. At the same time, they're just they're just not being they're starving for a word of affirmation. They're starving for some form of something. This really made me think of the idea of the five love languages, right? So maybe you know we've already talked a little bit about the husband and wife relationship here, but maybe you're familiar with the five love languages. There, did you know that there's a book that is for uh, languages in the workplace. I just bought this book. I haven't read it yet. It's from the same author, Gary Chapman. He uh, co-authored this with another person. And it's, I think it's something about appreciation in the workplace. I can't quite think of the title right off the top of my head, but it's the same idea. It would be wrong to talk about love languages in the workplace, but the reality is still the same. You know, this may not be an element of physical touch, right? But words of affirmation, acts of service, those are very viable thing. Gifts, um, those are very viable things that still are valuable in the workplace and uh, accessible to be utilized. Now, to be honest with you, you really need to drill into and find out where you're, what makes your people move. Because honestly, if it's, if it's not an, a gift thing, I am not a gift person. I despise gifts. I hate them. They have, they have no value to me whatsoever. I just, I don't like gifts. I will go buy myself whatever I want. I don't even need your money to do it. I want to go buy my own stuff. I kind of detest my birthday and Christmas, okay? That's just, this. I just don't like it at all. Buy me something that's useful like Starbucks, right? A gift card. I would gladly take my family out to eat or something like that. But if I want something, I'm going to go buy it myself because I'm going to buy the quality that I want to. So gifts don't mean anything to me. But I love words of affirmation. I've get this I've got a file of encouragement that people have sent me over the years and if I just need to be refreshed or rejuvenated or reminded of my value I go to that file because somebody said something of me and that's inspiring to me and those kind of things find out what makes your people tick and drill into that and make sure that you're speaking the right language if they're a words of affirmation person don't give them gifts cuz they don't care they don't want your filthy gift right find out what makes them tick and go over the top with that all the time. Make this easier for yourself. Automate it. You know, one of the things I had done with my assistant back in the day was that I was that I actually put this on an automation, right? I had 
I had I had her investigate what were all these things of my people. And then I had her just create notes in my calendar that, you know, for simple birthdays, right? So this is this person's birthday and this is what they like. And so we're going to send them a birthday card and we're going to do that thing. And I did the same thing when it comes to their kids and their spouses. And those. I just wanted them to know, hey, I see you. I value you. I value the people that are in your life. And they they mean a lot to me too. And so go over the top with encouragement. The last thing is this, develop people over your business. We are notorious for developing the business. We know how to develop the business the best. We know how to develop the business better than anyone else. At least that's what we think. Because I guarantee you there probably is someone in your company right now that can develop it better than you. But because of your position, you don't want to let that happen. If you would develop your people, they would develop your business farther than you could ever make it go. So how does it, how do you develop people? You spend time with them. You get to know them. You give them the pleasure of your, your company. One of the things I would do is I would just offer to my team, Hey, I'm going to lunch. Who wants to go with me? I'm buying. And I never was without someone to go to lunch with me. I created a space in my budget just for that because it was valuable to me. I had two budgets that, that I could run at my previous career. I had a budget that was given to me to run the, the, the business. And then I also had a personal budget that I had to allocate myself. It was out of my own pocket. And it wasn't a lot. It was several thousand dollars a year I would allocate to this out of my own paycheck. But I would utilize, it was that important to me that I would invest in my leadership out of my own pocket because I wanted them to know what you are doing for us is valuable to me as a person. Now, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you don't need to do that. I needed to do that. I had to. I didn't have any other choice. So I spent my own money to develop these people, knowing that at the end of the day, if I'm no longer here, if I'm no longer doing what I do, if you're still a leader because of my investment, then it's worth it. I developed the people and the business would take care of itself. The same thing is true for you. Where can you invest in your people? Develop them. Find out where they are struggling. What are, what's, where are they hurting at? In fact, I just had a meeting with my assistant today and I asked them that question. Where do you feel like you need to grow? Where do you feel like you need to grow as a, as a part of my company? Because if, if you feel like there's something missing in your you know, repertoire or your toolbox or whatever that you need to grow in, I will pay for it. And I will pay for your hours too, because I want you to feel like you're getting better at what you're doing along with me. And then my question for them was, where are you growing personally and how can I help? And then we spent the better part of an hour just talking about that. How can I help you grow? The same thing is true for you. Where do you need to grow? Where do your people need to grow? And how can you help them get there? You know, oftentimes as bosses, we are fearful that if we help people grow, they will grow beyond our company. And you know what? Maybe they need to. The truth is, is that if you help them grow, they will help you grow. They will help your company grow. They will make it more profitable, more than you could ever even imagine if you would just trust them with, hey, I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to superbly communicate and I'm going to cast a compelling vision. So my question, my clearly, I, I want to know which one of these do you excel at and where do you really struggle? What, which, which was an aha moment for you? I didn't think of that. Um, 
And then I'm also intrigued with the idea of where are you at when it comes to moving from boss to leader? Are you a leader? Are you just a boss? Where do you want to go when it comes to your leadership? A lot of questions that you can answer, a lot of questions that you can dive into. But I'll go back to my favorite slogan right now. Your future is defined based on the questions that you're willing to answer. So answer the questions and you'll find a great future. Hey, thanks for being part of my podcast today. I hope you have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Don't hesitate to let me know how I can help you, lead you, encourage you, whatever it needs to be. We'll talk soon. Thanks.